0: hello janksters and welcome to another episode of the Magic jank podcast the the show where we talk about the latest happenings in Magic the Gathering my name is Graham, I go by Hamhawks 42 and I'm joined actually by a newcomer to the show Damien F16 a buddy of ours great streamer t- member of team Magic jank Damien how are you doing my friend welcome welcome
1: I am very good. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Uh, I I was hoping to get in on one of these podcasts and uh, I'm so happy to be here. I've loved the first few episodes. So uh, yeah, let's keep up the great work and have another good one here.
0: Oh, fantastic. And for the viewers at home or listeners at home, I want you to know Team Magic Jank is made up of a lot of amazing creators. And as schedules allow and as we can do things, I want to make sure we're bringing in as many folks as possible. So I'll tell you right now, while yet this is the first time you're seeing, seeing Damien, I have a sneaking suspicion it will not be the last. So heads up on that. Whether you like
1: it or not, I'm going to be right? back.
0: You'll you'll like it, don't worry. This is going to be we're we're in for a treat. And then of course, we also have our buddy Hollywood Pizza. Hollywood, how you doing, my friend?
2: Hey, how's it going everybody? I'm doing really good. Uh just got a new kitten uh, about like an hour ago. Oh dang. Uh, wow. Um so yeah, just been hanging out with the uh, the newcomer to the pizza family. So uh we already had a cat named Pepperoni and we name, we're going to name this one Sausage. So uh of we course. do pepperoni meat sausage. Lovers. Yeah, meat nice. lovers, you know. Um but yeah. <laughs> Got quite a bit of cats now, up to four now. Uh, we love the fur wow. awesome. Um, So yeah, a that new rules. pizza cat to the family.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, and in, in the not too distant future, they're going to have a little bit more room to run around, I'd imagine. So that rules, man.
1: Oh, yeah. And then you just have to teach the martial arts, and then you can start an animated series. And uh, I can enjoy my nostalgic samurai pizza cats throwback.
2: <laughs> and I can also <laughs> no, be ticked yes. out no. at that point,
1: yet. Yeah. Oh, Did sure. anybody get that? No, nobody got that reference. Okay. Sound, it sounded
0: familiar, but yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, so before we dive into the kind of the meat of this episode, it's weird doing a podcast, in this, like launching a podcast in summer is kind of a weird time for Magic the Gathering because it's where the game itself just in general is kind of the least active. So starting yeah. a news show when the news is the lightest maybe wasn't the smartest move on our part, but that's okay because we have some fun stuff to talk about today, and I'm very much looking forward to it. But before we dive into that, I want to give a huge thank you to magicjank.com. The namesake of this show and the host that makes this possible is a website where you can buy and sell Magic the Gathering products and gear. So if you have single, sealed products or if there are any kind of accessories that you're looking for, dice, sleeves, that kind of thing, definitely check out magicjank.com. Also, if you're out there are an artist or an entrepreneur trying to sell things to a the Magic the gathering community whether those are custom tokens you know altar sleeves whatever the case may be definitely um yeah look out over there and set up a a merchant account you can actually reach a whole new audience with with your stuff whatever it may be so we'd love to have you all right so that's magicjank.com thank you so much for making this possible so, yeah. So first things first, uh, I'd love to get into the MTGA announcement. There was a recent article um, there where they talked about some changes coming up. And uh, and Pizza, I know you've actually spent quite a bit of time looking that over. If you wouldn't mind taking it away, tell us uh, wh- what is it that's what changes are coming to Arena? What, what can we expect in the near future?
2: So, uh, you know, one of the main things here that it does touch on uh, that happened recently was the Explorer anthologies coming on to uh, MTG Arena. And same as the historic anthologies, you can check out our opinions on that on our last episode of the mm-hmm. podcast, episode two. Um, we also returning is Explorer Anthology 2. That's right. If you miss out on it the first time, it's actually coming back onto Arena and it'll be available until September 5th. So if you miss out on the second one, you got a chance now to essentially get a lot of your Explorer collection back on track. And the reason you're going to want to do that is because we've got some qualifier plans, as well as qualifier weekend, which are all going to be explore format. And in order to get practice for that, we also have our July 30th tournament. That's right. This coming Sunday, we have the Pizza Box Open Explore. So, you know, we have our own local competitive tournament uh, that will help you kind of grind out a little bit and get some more practice for some of these uh, events as well coming in August. So uh, the dates for those we have the 5th and 11th of August. With the qualifier plans, uh, qualifier weekend is going to be August 12th. And for the MTG Arena Open, which is actually going to be Arena Cube draft, that's going to be mm-hmm. August 26th and 27th. So uh, oh, if yeah. you do quite a bit of cube drafts, then this is definitely going to be something that interests you quite a bit, especially, you know, it's the Open. And let's say you're, you're not necessarily into the drafts, then, you know, there's plenty of opportunities to qualify uh, into qualifier weekend. That's going to be that August 12th uh, Explorer format.
1: Well, and if I can just jump in, I mean, that mm-hmm. that uh, tournament that Pizza is running, on July 30th, you have a chance to play in an Explorer tournament with, I'm assuming, 128 players. It's probably going to get capped. It does every single time. And it's free. Remember, that is the key thing. You're getting free tournament practice for Explorer so that you can go into those Arena Opens and hopefully crush it and have an actual tournament you know, experience under your belt before you enter the, uh, the Open, which you're not going to get on the ladder. You're not going to get from Arena events and other stuff. So... Uh, yeah, definitely take advantage of
0: that. Sorry. Oh my goodness, on. I could no, I, I could not. I, I got to just back that up because the ladder, it is a competitive environment, but it is it pales in comparison to an actual yeah. like tournament setting. Not
1: good testing. Yeah. No, it's really not.
0: Like if you just need to get reps in with your deck to kind of feel the synergies and see how it works, sure, it can, it helps, yeah. but it's just not the same yeah
1: and uh, arena cube is exciting i mean having a thousand dollar you know potential prize two thousand dollar first prize for the uh, the, the uh, mtga open and having it be arena cube a format where you can't go to 17 lands and kind of cheat and, and look at the data and figure out what the <laughs> best archetype you live and you know they t- they tweak the cube every time so there's going to be a few new cards in there that nobody you know is kind of expecting and uh it's going to make for an awesome environment and it basically means anybody can win money like i mean you ha- you probably have to be a pretty good drafter but arena cube has so many there's so many swingy cards and stuff you could go in there with almost no experience still draft uh, you know a broken deck and do well so it's one of the few chances where you know almost anybody has a chance to make money and uh, you don't have to be a grinder and studying the format and all the minute details and the data and everything because None of that exists for the Arena Cube, right? So, really, really awesome events coming up, and I'm, I'm looking forward to them. But
2: 100%. Uh, on top of that, we also have uh, Kamigawa Draft coming back. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that that's actually like a format that's pretty revered. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have the 2023 20, rotation and renewal. So, uh, we got our renewal rewards on Arena, and it used to be a rotation, but now with the update to standard rotation, uh, essentially, uh, Wilds of Drain comes in. And kind of adds a little bit more to what we already know as the current standard format. So, uh, you guys are correct. Tons of things going on on uh-huh. Arena. Uh, if you like competitive play, that's there for you. If you just like to you know grind your games in every day, uh, that's also available. And of course, you know being able to up your collection with both the you know Explore Anthology two and three and the Historic Anthology seven are all pretty amazing things.
1: Right. Absolutely. I, I want to add one caveat there. I know you guys mentioned it last time. If you're a, c- a competitive player you're probably better off just crafting the one or two singles. I've been playing with the World Spine Worm and Xenagos. It's been a blast. I've also been playing with Thespian Stage and Lotus Field in Explorer. It's also been a blast, but if you're a casual player, you should pick up the whole Anthology. There's a ton of stuff in there you can use, but for the competitive players, I, I would recommend just crafting the one or two uh, singles in those, and and I think you guys mentioned that last week as well, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, oh okay. yeah, no, exactly. The Anthology is like, and I'm glad to hear the Explorer Anthology 2 is coming back as well for people who missed right. out because When they sell the anthologies in a bundle, you get a play set of every single card. You know, so that's usually, that might be like 12 Mythics and a whole bunch of rares. I mean, if you want to get a full collection or you want to brew with as many different toys at your disposal, they're a phenomenal value. But yeah, Damien, you're absolutely right. If you're just looking to grind some tournaments, get into the qualifiers and the like...
1: Yeah, both you know, perspectives like, there. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and
0: and if you're a tournament grinder and you're interested in Explorer, you probably already crafted your Nykthos. So right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there we are. Exactly. You know, <laughs> so yeah. Um, I know if, if they brought the old historic anthologies back, like, you know, one through, you know, four or whatever, That like those were ones I passed on at the time and I still regret it. So mm. I would, you know, really? Wizards, guess. if you're listening, there are a lot of us janky brewers out there uh, who are on <laughs> Arena who would be more than happy to shell out a little bit for those just putting it out there anyway (laughs) (laughs) but yeah good stuff good stuff yeah, so, yeah, Arena is definitely a happening place right now. There's a lot of stuff going on, and it's, it's delightful. It's also, you mentioned the renewal egg, uh, or the renewal rewards. They, they do, on Arena, you actually do get um, a whole bunch of just free stuff that they give you in, you know, September when the rotation usually occurs. And I think the reasoning behind it is to incentivize players to stay engaged, even if a big chunk of their collection just rotated out of standard. Well, this year, the standard rotation isn't happening, but the alchemy rotation is. So if you're playing Alchemy, that set does or that format will be rotating. And I was surprised to see that they are still di- giving you know renewal rewards, you know, for that. So, it's, okay, cool, some free stuff for being part of, being part of the arena community. I'll take it. So Just yeah. having yeah.
2: arena on your computer.
0: Yeah, I like <laughs> free, free stuff. stuff.
2: Yeah, free, free yep. stuff's great.
0: I'm a big <laughs> fan. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. But yeah, so that's kind of the arena update. Um, and next up, I do want to kind of touch on. Since our last recording, the deck lists for the Commander Masters pre-cons have been um, you know, unveiled. So we have seen now every single card that is going to be a part of Commander Masters. And I just kind of want to touch on that quickly. I mean, there are a lot of thoughts flying around around that product. Um, and, uh, I don't know, at this point, we've seen, like, the full Planeswalker deck, the Sliver deck, there's an Eldrazi deck, and then there's even an enchantment deck as well, an Abzan enchantment deck that um, honestly kind of flew under the radar because it's not quite as flashy and sexy as, like, Eldrazi, Slivers, and, you know, Super Friends. But I hear it's actually still, like, a pretty solid deck. So, I don't mm-hmm. know, to get things started, I just love the fact that Commodore Guff is on a card now. That's the.
1: One. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of people who wanted that card printed. I wasn't even familiar with how many people were just like, "Finally, come on, Commodore Gov. Mm-hmm. Are you guys uh, big fans of them? Are you were going to try them out or what?
0: Possibly. I don't know. This is—it's one of those where th- these. My feelings on these pre-cons in general, you know, is that they all have a lot of. There are a number of interesting singles that will be available in them that I'm curious to try to build around, but I personally don't feel like drawn to any one particular deck you know that's generally the way right. that i feel and that's usually how i handle pre-cons as far as like when i get my hands on a pre-con the first thing i do is just break it apart and just use it yeah use, use it for bits right but yeah well, I
1: know the Eldrazi is another exciting one. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. are like, "This is the first time they printed any big Eldrazi in what ten years, something like that." Something uh, like that, yeah. So they, they there were a lot of people that were very excited to see more Eldrazi get added. And uh, but as far as how powerful these decks are, um, yeah, I mean the sentiment online and and the the murmurings among the community and stuff that I've heard anyway are that uh, you know people are a little bit underwhelmed with the. Um, The the EV of the product, but also Mm -hmm. just the power level of the cards like they, you know, they were expecting a bit more, I guess, from a master set. I mean, modern masters, you know, commander masters. This was supposed to be a a master set for, for, for advanced players, for entrenched players. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the spoilers we've seen have been that. There have been a lot of high-value cards spoiled, a lot of high, you know, CDH stuff, and, and real staples of the format get get reprinted and stuff, which is great, bringing the price down on some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, but these pre-cons are very entry-level. And when you look at the lists, they are pretty, you know, powered down. They're not too crazy. I guess a lot of players, I think, were expecting a little bit more punch from these, these pre-cons, mm-hmm. uh, especially considering the price. Um, and the, the label, the master's label. So I'm not sure if you guys are uh, have any thoughts. <laughs> if, you, if you if you have you canceled your pre-orders or you're still getting them or what? <laughs> I don't know.
0: I did not have a pre-order myself, so I oh, was okay. I wasn't planning on picking these up anyway. Um, just because the price was just a little too much on for me. Yeah. Um, and th- that's really just kind of the bottom line. I mean, with it being a master's product, it being premium priced, it does make sense. But yeah, to your point or what kind of the sentiment is. Um. Yeah, I would've expected a bit more. You know, it's funny actually, when yeah. this at first was spoiled, they announced the Ur-Dragon was gonna be in it. And I right. immediately just assumed, oh, that means Edgar Markov's gonna be here too. Mm-hmm. And he isn't. And I it's know. like, yeah. ooh. Like, and Missed th- opportunity. A, yeah, and there were a handful of other cards like that, you know, where that have become mm-hmm. staples in the format that just aren't present in this one. And it's like, ooh. Like we get the medallions again, great. Like those, those are yeah, great. Oh, yeah. You've got the the freeze cycle from Ikorio, Fierce Guardianship, and the like. Right. I mean, those were, I mean, they needed those in here. I mean, we're at a point right now where Fierce Guardianship and Deflecting Swat were like $50, $60 cards. It's like, yeah. yikes. Yeah. And and they're in, I mean, the, the the effects that those cards have, like if you're in those colors, there's no reason not to run them. and, and right. Yeah, the the two of the, the two cheapest ones um which of course includes the only one I own um in obscuring haze the the green mm-hmm. the green one which is just a free fog I personally yeah. think that card is highly underrated. Like, I think it's still very yeah. good. And just people three generally flaws, just yeah. say it's, yeah, I don't know, because it's not quite as flashy, but yeah, Obscuring Case and Flawless Maneuver are the, the two that don't quite get the headlines, but are still excellent cards. Right, and, like, but the whole, the whole here,
1: cycle so. needed needed to be reprinted. And there, there's a bunch of, even things like Cyclonic Rift has been printed three times in the last you know five mm-hmm. years, but they needed to reprint it again. It's still over $35. Demonic Tutor has been reprinted over 10 times still needs a reprint it's like 35 dollars mm-hmm. or but you know i really especially like the fact that they said okay you know what enough is enough these portal three kingdom cards are ridiculously out of control expensive for what they do uh loyal retainers uh for the capture of jingju and uh su Quan. su yeah i think su Quan. They're, they're so obscure not a lot of people play them but um they were ridiculous. Like, the Capture of Jingju is, what, 300 US. So, God, mm-hmm. like, get, get these cards into circulation again. There's no reason they need to be that expensive. So, I'm happy to see that stuff. But there's also, you know, there's Doubling Season. There's ca- uh, the Jeweled Lotus. We, we mm-hmm. you know, everybody plays basically in every single deck that card is uh you know needs to come down in price so a lot of great reprints here but uh the pre-cons are interesting i think they probably will appeal more to players who really have an affinity for that tribe whether it's eldrazi or slivers is is a big one right slivers i I, i've seen so many sliver commander decks people love their slivers and getting a new sliver swarm deck is pretty sweet for for those players so i imagine there's a lot of players who are really into those archetypes who are going to pick up those pre-cons but uh uh, for the rest of the community, yeah, it was a little bit underwhelming in terms of the power level of the of the precons and stuff, but still mm-hmm. good value there, again, if you like those, those tribes and, yeah. uh, and you want to get into them. so
0: Yeah, actually, in, in some of the reveal streams, um, you know, they showed off a lot of the new cards that are going to be included in these precons, and I mm-hmm. think it's kind of unfortunate that the price is so high because it just overshadows some really cool design that went into these. Like the cards themselves are excellent. And like, I want to be building around these because they have the opportunity to really shape a board state into kind of a weird, you know, situation in ways that we don't often see. You know, there were a number of cards um, that were, the ones that really caught my eye were the secondary commanders. Like the ones that weren't Mm -hmm. the primary face commanders, but some of those were fantastic. and they just function in weird ways like there's the the sliver commander who is escaping my
1: ruka rumel is that yes biologist yeah Yeah. yeah,
0: ruka rumel or however that's pronounced yes yeah you know i think this card is excellent oh yeah it's a lot of fun but it's it is excellent because of what it does to casual commander like i don't think this is going to see any cedh kind of Play. I don't, and I don't think it's going to be showing up at high power tables because you need to take a sliver deck and then dilute it with all these non sliver <laughs> cards that only work if your commander's online and your commander is a three three for five. Like, yeah, like that's a yeah. goofy setup, and it's like it's way too easy to interact with, way too easy to break, and so I don't think it's going to work in high power decks or no, high power but, tables. But in some of the low power tables where people are kind of getting weird and seeing what can happen, yeah. where maybe there won't be as much interaction, like you're going to be able to do some really fun stuff with that card. And that's what I like to see when my commander games. I love seeing yeah. people kind of go off the, off the grid and do some bizarre things and pull out cards from 15 years ago that, yeah. you know, are really obscure and have a crazy interactions. I love that stuff. That's what, that's why I keep coming back to commander. Um, and yeah, so the goofy fact setups, that, that's what it's yeah. all about, goofy right?
1: setups and doing crazy stuff. That's what commander should be. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: absolutely. absolutely. And so like, Rukar Mel kind of embodies that. You know, it's like, this is a goofy, weird build around. Let's see what you come up with. And uh, I don't know. I love that. Like, I want to build, like, a rebel deck with Lin Sivvy and a whole <laughs> bunch of slivers. Like, I don't know. Let's see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. The, the possibilities are there. And uh, I don't know. I, I, the fact that those exist in these pre-cons, I think, is interesting. It shows that Wizards is still interested in trying to push the envelope in creative spaces, not just power spaces. Right. And I like that. So... Um, yeah. Hopefully these kind of things will hopefully these singles will get into circulation and you'll be able to pick them up over on magicjank.com uh, in the not too distant future for, you know, reasonable, you know, reasonable prices. That's the, that's the goal. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. Good stuff. Well, yeah. So before we move on from commander masters, do we have any other final thoughts on that or we can just keep on cruising? All right. Yeah. So next up, um, another thing that we want to touch on, uh, since our last recording, there were some changes to alchemy, actually. We we had an update yeah. um, that kind of came on without any pomp and circumstance. It just sort of happened where after a weekly update, we logged into Arena and and we were presented with a, a big, beautiful splash screen saying Fable of the Mirror Breaker is now banned in alchemy. And that was <laughs> the only splash screen we saw. To which I even yeah. saw tweets of people said, like, tweeting that out saying, hey, for some reason, Crucius didn't get altered, what the heck, until people went into their decks, and so the Crucius <laughs> yeah. did, in fact, get altered.
1: That and is so... <laughs> uh, a weird way to do it, you know? That's not usually how you want to let people know that their deck has been nerfed. Because this Crucius is the main centerpiece of a lot of these decks. They're literally called Crucius decks. Mm-hmm. Nerfing the main card, no no announcement or anything, no warning until you get into a game with your deck, mm-hmm. and, then, uh, and then Crucius is suddenly, his butt shrank down to a one one toughness is yeah oof
0: but I uh what kind of impact? yeah d- d- sorry go ahead no i just have a stinking suspicion there were a lot of people who jumped right under the ranked ladder and were like turn yeah. three crucius and the opponent on the <laughs> on the draw was like all right bow masters like oh sure whatever wait what <laughs> yeah <laughs> as a, as or even a, the,
1: opponent. the opponents. the mm-hmm. opponent's probably like oh crucius i wait wait a it minute have one toughness <laughs> oh okay i'll just yeah, yeah. fashion bow masters okay yeah done.
0: Yeah, it's pretty wild. Actually, now that I'm looking at it, I'm even yeah. realizing the image that I pulled up for the video feed of this podcast—it still is shows the 3-3. original. Yeah. yeah, let's see if they—if I can find the modified one. Oh, looks like uh, well, this, you know, anyway.
1: the the, the fable banning is very strange too. Here, mm-hmm. I mean, I, it needs to be banned. It was obviously you know dominating the the the, the alchemy format, but it's just I, like again considering what alchemy was supposed to be and why they created the format of, of alchemy to begin with. It's kind of hilarious and ironic that that we're getting actual bans in alchemy now when alchemy was created to address the issues with standard cards that were supposed to be banned and mm-hmm. alchemy you know, shouldn't be banning things in alchemy it should be the fixed version of standard anyway so it's created a lot of weird like what is alchemy even at this point you know it's it's so strange it's almost spun off into its own thing and
0: yeah you know, it has its that, own band that, list and, that's a brilliant yeah. question and i felt the same way when grinning ignis got banned because right. it's like, yeah. I understand that this generates a combo that is problematic, you know, and you have too many enablers that make it super easy to, like, abuse this. But at the same time, they could have taken gritting Ignis and easily just added, like, one more mana to the cost.
1: Yeah. Or make it, like,
0: be... double red in the cast cost. Like, it wouldn't have been hard like, right. to tweak it that, in a way that breaks the combo, and they just didn't. And it's like, really? Yeah, it's I, I, the the I,
2: argument I, for Ignis was that it was uh, more of, like, a Classic cards, so classic cards, they don't, uh, they actually Mm -hmm. just ban those. They don't alter them. Uh, Examples being like a brainstorm or like a lightning bolt where like those cards aren't going to come back different. Uh, They're just Mm -hmm. outright banned. So that was actually what the argument for the Ignis was originally.
1: Interesting, but,
0: but at the same time, they they had no problem taking like the dungeon delve cards or cards like Symmetry Sage that weren't seeing any play and buffing them, or you know they, they they've modified, they nerfed like Hallbreaker Horror in the past as well and didn't think anything of that. Yeah, you know,
1: so yeah. I mean, are you talking pizza? Are you saying like classic cards, as in it's an age thing? Like if the card is old enough and so ubiquitous, it's been reprinted so many times that if we nerf it, it's gonna really have this kind of you know they've um, said that
2: before dissonance. So of- I don't know, like exactly, like the wording on it, but they've said that before about. Uh, I pointed to brainstorm and lightning ball. They specifically said like cards like that uh, won't be modified or anything like right. that because they're like part of like you know. Like, they're I don't know what the wording is, but they're part. Yeah, yeah they're like, part of Magic okay, history, okay. so Ignis oh, essentially uh, falls See, into that category too, where it's not a card that they want to uh, necessarily like mess with. They'd rather just like outright ban it. Well, my issue in the article was yeah. that it was already going to rotate, so. Um, yeah, and Fable, yeah, exactly. In, that, that's way. the other
1: thing. It's going to be rotating in a month, right? So it's not a, the end of the world here that they put, the, you know, so then why not just ban it instead of nerf, nerfing it? But Crucius, I'm very confused. How, why did it take so long for them to nerf this card? People have been complaining about Crucius for literally months and months mm-hmm. at this point. It's been dominating historic, dominating alchemy. I mean, it's it's a digital-only card. It would take a snap of the fingers to literally just nerf it. Why wait so long to nerf it? That's that's what confused me the most about this. Um, do you guys have any ideas as to why it took so long for Crucius to, to get a nerf here? People have been calling for this for a long time. Oh, yeah. No? <laughs> Does know, anybody I, know? I, I, I don't look,
0: know. Like, well, and it's funny, too, because if you look back at, this, like, when they first launched Alchemy, and maybe it was just that they were trying to push it, and, try, and maybe they were just more, they prioritized it higher um, mm-hmm. as far as their attention went. But, like, I remember the um, the dragon, the the fearsome whelp, the, the one one for oh, two. Right. When that mm-hmm. first, initially, that thing operated that on your end step, all your dragons became cheaper. And that was bananas, and it was way too good. And it, I feel like it was, like, it was just everybody running dragon decks led by the Welp yeah. for, like, a month, maybe two, yeah, and then they nerfed it. it. Like They just they, they changed it so now it's on upkeep, and they even gave it haste, you know, as a way mm-hmm. to, like, try to mitigate some of the feels bads. And now, like, it, I think that was a perfect modification, because it went from yeah. being too dominant to now there's a reaction window that, like, okay, so I can't right. respond to it if, if I want to, um, or if I feel like I should, and they still get benefit, like it's still a good card in that deck, but it doesn't push the deck to becoming, you know, to be a problem. Right. Um, why not here?
1: Why, yeah. why didn't they do that here? Well, Just what make took it so long? I, up
0: I honestly or, don't know. Or, like they've proven yeah, that they can so do weird. it. Like they've proven At that or- they have the the knowledge, they can cha- make the change quickly.
1: Yeah, that's the idea behind Alchemy, is we Mm -hmm. can quickly and easily kind of adjust and fine-tune and turn these dials to figure out, okay, is this bro—let's try putting it to the upkeep with Crucius, see if that works. Oh, it doesn't work? Okay, now let's make it a 3-1. Like, why not double nerf it? Nerf it once, it's still busted? Okay, nerf it again. Like, Mm -hmm. there's no limit on how often or—I don't know if it's a—they don't want to mess with the cards too much because they don't want— to erode player confidence in the format like again when you craft this card and then they nerf it you're not getting wild cards back for this right Mm -hmm. you are getting your wild cards for fable assuming you didn't get them when it got banned in standard but in crew with crucius you're yeah and that's one of the big reasons i'm not a big you know alchemy player and i when people ask me why i don't play alchemy on stream and stuff i tell them I just can't afford it because uh, I, I can't, it's already enough to, you know, my, my mm-hmm. wild cards are being taxed enough playing these other constructed formats. Uh, if I put in wild cards into Historic or Alchemy and craft digital cards that get nerfed, especially one like this, which is the backbone of the deck, uh, the whole deck goes out the window. And now I'm out a lot of wild cards here, you know, mm-hmm. not just the ones for the, the card I crafted. So yeah. it's um, maybe that's why they don't nerf as much as they do, but it's just, it's good that it finally happened. I'm just wondering why it took so long, but maybe that's why.
0: Yeah. No, I'm I'm right there with you, because it's, it's, I can't imagine, you know, they have access to back-end data that we don't, you know, so, but I can't imagine that the data wasn't telling the story that we were all feeling, you know, because, like, I didn't play much Alchemy myself, but every time I did, if I played for more than three or four (laughs) games, I ended up getting bodied by Crucius, like, it just, (laughs) it happened every time. It was like, you, there's no way the data doesn't show this. With right. an incredibly high win rate and an incredibly high adoption rate, there's no way. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know what took so long. Honestly, I think it was just Alchemy stopped being a priority. I think it was really what it Could came be. down to. Could be. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I honestly think that was about it. And same reason for why they didn't like why they banned Fable rather than rebalance it, because if they mm. rebalanced Fable, that would touch Historic.
1: Yeah, and that's I, right. That I think would be a, a lot problem. of people
0: would have lost their yeah. lost their cool about that. Um, oh yeah. So, but you know, yeah. I
1: think they should just give wild cards back for nerfs. If you nerf a card, it's a different card. It's it's you've you, you mm-hmm. functionally changed the card. You should refund the the people their wild cards for that when they nerf, but I don't or know if that'll it, change at some Give
0: point. people the opportunity to trade them back in, you know, or it's like, get, oh yeah. So okay. when, the first yeah. time you log in or, you know, the for the first month after a card gets nerfed, if you log in, give me the opportunity to trade the card in for wild cards. You know, it's mm. like you can take take them out of my collection? Just give me my mythics back you know, and <laughs> like I'll trade them in for something else. Give people that opportunity. I, I think that makes sense. and I know other card games do things like that. So right. I don't know, something like that I think would would help mitigate the feels bad and increase the ado- the alchemy adoption rate because you're right, David, like it's, it's a it's off-putting. you know because yeah. and even getting into standard in arena is tough enough because if I craft right. an entire deck and you take one card that's very important to that deck and you ban it, then all of a sudden, yeah, you're giving me the four rare wilds or whatever back for that one card. But I just used a dozen crafting this thing and yeah. you're not giving me any of those back. And now those yeah. cards don't have a home that is going to be competitive. Like that's a criticism right. of the current s- system that that's been there since day one. So right. yeah, Alchemy just kind of exemplifies that. Cause it's like, Oh, you're not even getting those four back. It's just like, Nope, they're gone. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's unfortunate. Yeah. I think it needs to change, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. And, uh, uh, stuff you don't have to deal with, nerfs and whatnot, uh, is when you play constructed paper formats. Like Indeed. the modern pro tour that's coming up this yeah. week. Ayo. Let's go. I don't know how many people play modern. I, I know a, a lot of us on Magic Jank, we all play on Arena. There's not many of us who play on MTGO, which is unfortunate because we don't have a lot of... Uh, I don't know how much modern you guys play. I follow it. I follow it avidly because I love it but i stopped playing quite a while ago when modern horizons 2 came out in the elementals and ragavan and all those things I, I just kind of just stopped playing but um but i follow it all the time and i'm watching the changes the effect the lord of the rings has had on this so if you guys do you want to jump over and talk about some modern
0: absolutely no that sounds wonderful yeah. and and damien i this is part of the reason that i definitely wanted to make sure you, you we got you on the show because i know you have yeah. an interesting perspective on this that i know i personally can't speak to like i don't sure. personally play modern i've watched like some modern gameplay and i definitely hear a lot of commentary about it i find it very very interesting someday yeah. i will jump in but i'm mm-hmm. not there yet um yeah well
1: if you'd like, I mean, I can I can give a bit of a like set the stage here. So first of all, Thanks. we've got a pro tour coming up uh, next week, which will be the the modern uh, pro tour happening in uh, Barcelona, I believe, in Spain mm-hmm. uh, at MagicCon Barcelona, which is a big deal. And modern is a very powerful format. It's a large format, of course. So watching pro players play modern is a treat. You're you're watching very high level play with very complex decks, and the best part, Modern was very stale uh, right up until Lord of the Rings. We had the Elementals and Ragavan uh, basically dominating Modern for months and months and months. The top decks were four color control and the, uh, you know, blue-red Merktide um, uh, decks. Is it Murktide? Stuff like that. Uh, it was just the same decks at the top for a long time. And then Lord of the Rings got spoiled and people were like, oh, this is this is a Modern only or, you know, Modern and Legacy Eternal format only set. This looks very low powered, like there's one or two cards that may see play, but that's it. Like a lot of people, this is what they were saying when the spoilers were coming out. And then the set finally releases. People start playing with these cards. Now, a few cards, like the one ring, anybody worth their salt who was commentating about this, you know, (laughs) aspiring Spike and Doomwake and all these big modern, you know, specialists. We're like this is going to be very good, and I, I was even going, yeah, this looks this looks like it could be good enough for modern. This is a very powerful card. So the big swingy cards that did affect the the modern metagame are the One Ring, of course. Uh, Orcish Bowmasters is another one, to a lesser extent. Orcish Bowmasters has a way bigger impact in Legacy right now, but but in Modern, <laughs> there's one or two decks that are playing it to good effect. Uh, The Cycle Lands were very good, but uh, to a lesser extent only just really for the um, Living End decks and stuff like that. And then some of the other combo decks like uh, Samwise, Gamgee, and Rosie of Southlane never ended up panning out. There hasn't been any good lists doing well, but just the Ring and Bowmasters. Those two cards alone have had such an outsized impact on the format. First, the Ring caused a bunch of decks to kind of warp around the Ring. Everybody tried tried to jam it at first. And the ring decks uh, started pushing all these other decks out of the format. So things like, um, uh, trot or uh sorry creativity, uh, you know, rhinos, uh, hammer time, murktide. A lot of those decks are not seeing much play now when they were very good decks previously, just because they're pretty bad against the one ring. Um, you know, if you're a combo deck and they give you themselves protection from everything it's it's brutal and then they get to draw cards and then have answer to your combos the creativity just kind of fell off even though it was a very good deck leading up to uh you know the one ring or the lord of the rings releasing but even some of those other decks rhinos hammer time murktide when those decks start getting pushed out by the ring it starts letting other decks get better so right now as of last weekend a bunch of the challenges on magic online happen and scam rakdos scam Rakdos in every format. God, I'm sick of that color combination, but it is uh, maybe the best deck in Modern right now. It's definitely the best deck uh, last weekend. I think it put 10 copies in the top 32 of one of the online challenges. Uh, It had like three or four copies in the top eight of of both of the challenges that happened. And going into this weekend at the Pro Tour, it is almost certainly public enemy number one. Now, I don't know if you guys know how this deck operates. Uh, Scam is a weird word. People always go, why is it called Rakdos Scam? And it's because of this card, Grief, um, mm. basically you're trying to get this Grief into play for free by exiling a black card from your hand, and then of course playing a, uh, um, a one-mana effect that, that keeps it, uh, that has like an undying effect that keeps it in play, uh, like, um undying malice or feign death you know these kind of cards uh you so you're fl- playing in the grief and then with the trigger on the stack you're casting undying malice to keep it around right so you're scamming this thing into play you're not supposed to keep this thing in play but you're kind of yeah mm-hmm. the whole scam aspect is you cheating this into play and getting two triggers off of a off of a grief is nasty on turn one against mm-hmm. almost any deck that is insane you're disrupting their plan big time you're getting a threat into play uh, that, backed up by Dothie Voidwalker and creatures like that that are tough to deal with, are uh, are how this deck, uh, you know, kills people. Now, this deck was around before, and it wasn't that great. It was a Tier 2, maybe Tier 1.5 deck. But when this deck happens to be very good against the One Ring decks, so when the One Ring decks kind of pushed out this deck's bad matchups, like, this deck did not have a good matchup against Creativity and Rhinos and, and Hammer Time and Murktide and Titan stuff. And with the Ring deck pushing those decks down... Uh, And this deck also picking up Orcish Bowmasters to be good against the Ring decks, suddenly the Scam deck becomes very, very good. So um, it's had a weird effect on the metagame. Scam becoming really good has also led to the rise of a a new deck in Modern that we've not seen before, uh, which is Demir Ring, the the blue-black one-ring deck. This deck put up a, a few um we uh, very good results in in last week's challenges It put a few copies into the top eights of different decks it's basically a blue black control deck that's just trying to go all in on the one ring and and it's beating you know um uh tron and mono black coffers and four color decks all the other ring decks this deck is made to beat the other ring decks. So basically the one ring is creating this kind of inbred metagame where it's pushed out a bunch of the non-ring decks and now the ring decks are trying to beat each other and they're all becoming very inbred, trying to cannibalize each other, which is letting other decks kind of sneak in here like Scam is getting really good and stuff. But the demir ring deck is interesting. Uh, it's literally just a meta deck made to beat the other ring decks, the blue, blue-black ring deck. So we'll see if it's any good this weekend. Um, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling on. No, I get no, excited, but do you guys yeah. have anything you want to add to, like, Scam? Like, what do you guys think of this Scam deck, for example?
2: Uh, well, I mean, Scam's been, yeah, one of the top decks for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. I think you're right. It is a lot better now because the meta shift. Um, one interesting note, you know, we're seeing a big decline in the Murktide decks, uh, which was another big powerhouse for a very long time. And because of some of the other decks gaining a little bit more popularity, like the uh, four-color decks, which have a lot more dominance because of the ring itself, Uh, it's definitely pushing a lot of those is-it decks uh, out of the way. Whereas, like, it's not necessarily fallen out of like tier one status, but it's definitely like going to be more of like a harder deck for you to decide on, depending on the event or what your local metagame looks like. Uh, I actually still Mm -hmm. think like creativity is still up there. I just think that it's not getting played as much i kind of feel like it's kind of crazy that rhinos fell off a bit considering that there was like a good couple of weeks where rhinos looked like it was going to take the best deck of the format uh for a while and it actually never really like went over the top of the other decks because it seemed like when rhinos was like quote unquote being the best deck, some of these other like tier 1.5 decks like amulet titan and mm-hmm. you've even got like some of these Jeskai Breach decks kind of like popped up to kind of like compete with it a little bit. And then right. in between, you ended up getting like a metagame that ended up shifting into more of like a living end strategy because you had more of yeah. like those domain decks. A lot of these creature decks show up that the living end deck specifically is very, very good against. And that's also why yeah. we're kind of like seeing its resurgence overall, even though obviously in modern, there's always like a lot of graveyard hate in general, which is why we don't see decks like Dredge. Uh, and some of the other decks as well that lived off of the graveyard, but uh, Living End essentially, you know, that quick combo of getting all these cards out, cycling, kind of going through the deck, and then still being able to cast your cards uh, at their face value is something that I think the Living End decks and some of these Cascade decks uh, have gotten a lot better on. Uh, What I actually find a lot interesting about this metagame, specifically with what's happening in Modern Now, ever since the uh, introduction of the Bowmasters and the One Ring, just like you were saying, uh, Damien, is that You have a lot of these older decks that you can always tell a card is really powerful when the older decks start playing it and they start coming back like a deck like merfolk isn't like not even like in a tier three status almost but it's a deck that played by the right player or with the one ring itself makes that deck even more potent because now it's drawing into the answers that it needs to hit. It's giving itself that extra turn that it needs to win the game. So on and so forth. And you're kind of seeing that a little Mm -hmm. bit with decks like Mm -hmm. burn, which burn is always a tier one deck. But the main thing about burn is that it's a lot better in some metas than Others kind of like in the same vein of like, is it Merc Tide deck? You're also seeing like these Yawgmoth that kind of incorporate the one ring where a Yawgmoth deck kind of is more of the combo type strategy. You know, the old creature toolbox deck. Uh, that we used right. to see with like Melira, all these other things, but now essentially it's just a Yogma deck. And I think that what's so interesting is that that deck also gets a lot better with the one ring just because it gives itself that one extra turn that it needs in order to go off with like an infinite combo uh, on the well, following turn on the opponent.
1: I agree. I I like, I've been seeing a list recently where they're putting ring. The Yawgmoth deck is, is much better than it was. It's still a solid combo deck It can combo off consistently before turn five. But I think you want the rings in the sideboard. I just saw a list recently where uh, somebody had a pilot had them in the sideboard. And I thought that's perfect because putting them in the main deck dilutes your combo a little bit. And it's one of the few decks, the Yawgmoth deck. It's one of the few decks that can combo off. Even when your opponent plays the ring by comboing off on their upkeep uh th- through the one ring before the kind of trigger goes off and um the uh Bowmasters are incredible in this yogmoth deck i mean providing two bodies for yogmoth is is amazing you can kill them on upkeep through the ring it's not a super fast combo but uh i really like the sideboard rings because i think you only want the ring against scam and stuff like that uh you don't want it against every single deck i think against some of the other ring decks you're actually better without your own ring you're better off just trying to combo them th- even through their ring so it's really interesting i think moth got better actually because i don't know if this was in tier one it was always so close you know the Yogmoth decks they they're really sweet to yeah. play a lot of people love them but it yeah, was never like results. a tier
2: one deck um i think yeah. that like what i definitely agree with you it's it's definitely going to end up being a lot better in the cyborg for a lot of these decks um i think that yeah even decks like Tron are like a best example where like Tron yeah gets to play the one of mm. in the cyborg because they can go get it with their Karn. Like yeah. I also what I also find fascinating is that we're kind of like you know talking a lot about Recto Scam and you know we know the scam decks been around for a while. What I actually find interesting overall is with Lord of the Rings coming in, essentially a card like Bow Masters almost mm-hmm. pushes a powerful card like Ragavan out of the format. The difference being yes. is that what really makes or breaks the scam players is cyborging. if you're mm-hmm. keeping in these ragavans on the draw uh you know you're keeping them in against the wrong matchup then you're just going to outright lose to the opposing bowmaster because your opponent cited theirs out and they were ready yeah. with their turn to bowmaster to kill your ragavans so the dash ability and you knowing when to sideboard out the ragavans whether it be on the you know on the play on the draw uh, is going to be a lot more important going forward whereas before it yeah. felt like you know, Ragavan, cards like Urza Saga, uh, a lot of these cards were kind of like taking over because by themselves are really, really powerful cards. But now that we're getting an additional powerful card in the One Ring and we're getting some answers in the Bowmaster to kind of counteract cards like Ragavan and even some of these like the Is It Merc type decks or, you know, even the Omnath decks just because they draw lots of extra cards. So all these extra abilities right. uh, really, really make the Bowmaster way better. And on top of that, you know, we're really seeing the impact that... The one ring has had because we all know it's a colorless card. It can pretty much slot into any deck. And like we've been talking about, it props up really bad decks that probably shouldn't even be tier one. And we're not even going to say they're really bad decks, but more inconsistent decks, right? Because modern has always been about what can I do and how well can I do it? If I can do it better than what my opponent's doing, then it's not going to matter. And we're definitely seeing that with scam where scam is essentially what A modern Jund would be like where it has the hand disruption, it has the quick, efficient threats, and it has enough board removal that no matter what threat you put out, it's going to have an answer for it. And I think that that's actually what makes Scam really, really good right now is because we almost have more of a fleshed out metagame than what we even had when the format was staler, which is kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, the format was stale for a long time. The Bowmasters ca- came in and the ring came in and really shif- shifted it and, and made it, you know, kind of rotate artificially a little bit. But you're absolutely right. And the Bowmasters, one of the interesting things with a card like Bowmasters is they're, it's so good against itself. So in other words, what's the best answer to a Bowmasters? Your own Bowmasters. You know what I mean? So like it ends up making itself just see play everywhere. Every black deck that can play it is just playing four because it's like not only are they good in my deck they're also very good against opponents bowmasters and and you know ragavan and everything else so it's great to see a card come in and check ragavan that's a big one but the scam decks are interesting when i when i say a deck is like a jun deck i i i think i'm i think more of like a really grindy deck like for example i think right now honestly the four color control deck the aka money pile deck that you know Mm. before yorian got banned it was a ridiculously expensive 80 card deck with like all super expensive cards in it ren and sixes and rag and you know all that omnaths and um that deck uh used to be the best deck in modern and now it's a it's a 50 50 deck it's very i feel like that is the jun deck of the format it, it's good at grinding but it doesn't have any great matchups against basically anything it's got a, it's got these 50 50 if you're a really good four color player and you can um you know the matchups really well, you know what cards matter, and you can navigate that, that deck really well, then it's still an okay choice. But honestly, I think it's kind of this just everybody knows what it is, everybody knows what it's trying to do, everybody knows how to beat it and has sideboard cards against it, and it's really dropped in terms of uh power level. I I it's crazy because it was so dominant for so long. Now it's come way down. And uh I'm it's kind of cool to see. I'm happy, like, too. I'm, happy I'm happy with, happy with too. it because
2: like I think um, you know, one of the main things about modern that is mm-hmm. very interesting. Is that modern has cards that are legal that are actually banned in the quote unquote older formats, right? Like legacy and right. vintage, right? Where in modern, you can play with Ragavan. Well, we just mentioned how Ragavan's not even that crazy anymore. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, barely playable card. Um, it's like well, a card that you <laughs> cyborg out. <laughs> it's still well, good, but it's, yeah, yeah you're so right. It, I know what yeah, you mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, has there, like ever, where we're, has there sorry. ever been a better one drop creature? I mean like death right shaman I feel like is the or birds uh, of paradise like you gotta yeah, probably really, go with death I don't know but anyway Deathrite. like death right like just Ragnarok's makes it for, like some strategies right. aren't I mean, even <laughs> playable like Ragavan sure, at sure. least makes
2: it so like you just have to play removal but death right was like oh you just can't even play anything with the graveyard because yeah. since it's like part of like the Fair activation cost yeah, you yeah. can't even like respond to them activating the death right shaman so like All your right. card your cards are just gone there's like so many crazy things about death right but like for me like I think that it's interesting that we're finally potentially seeing a downshift in cards like Renin Six, where Renin mm-hmm. Six and Ragavan Saga, all these cards have kind of like ran rampant since Modern Horizons right. came out, and it is nice to finally see a lot of them being toned down. And at the end of the day, like the the five color money pile decks, like they're just like really kind of just not they're not good for the meta game. They're not mm. good for the format. They've and, fallen. Yeah. Yeah, And I think for them to fall is actually like a wonderful thing because I don't it's kind of like reminiscent of where stand some standards have been. And this standard even has gotten to a point where we have these five color domain piles where it's like, oh, I just play the best cards and then that's it. And I think that that's like really restrictive for deck building. And it kind of just hmm. makes people kind of lean into just like one strategy. And we definitely saw that with these decks where it's like, well, I'm just going to play all the best cards. I get to play Solitude. I get to play Fury. I get to play Ren. Yeah, oh, I get to play 3 Fairy. Elementals. I get to play Omnath. And and my colors yeah. are always great. I get to play, you know, uh, Ren and 6 into Teferi without any issues. And then I slam my Omnath on turn 4 like it's nothing. Then the next turn I'm adding yeah. mana, casting 2 Elementals like... I the think perfect that, mana
1: is, is too much, you're right. Yeah, and you're yeah. saying it's similar in Standard, that, like, yeah, the is too good, so people are getting getting away with things they shouldn't uh, be able to Yeah, use. I, I it. think it's
2: yeah. a little bit more like that, where, like, in Standard, you maybe don't always have, like, the five-color piles outside of, like, these attracts of domain decks, but the three- and four-color decks are a lot easier to get away with splashing and are a lot more consistent than you just playing, like, a two-color deck. Whereas, like, in yeah. Modern, the two-color decks, the cards are more efficient, so you can definitely tell how you know, you getting access to that Ragavan helps you a lot more, at least in game one, knowing that you're going to get to it quick. And if it hits, it hits. And then, you know, the game kind of just snowballs after that. But a lot more of like these five color piles don't necessarily have that where, yeah, even them starting on turn two can be a lot slower and definitely like Mm -hmm. hurt you in the long run, obviously. And I think that it's just really interesting to know that there's all these powerful cards existing still in modern and they're kind of, like, getting toned down without us needing another Horizon. Because I think that mm. originally yeah, what, it kind of, like, shifted out a lot of, like, the tier king decks that lasted for a long time, like Katron. Um, some of these old, I mean, Jund was even, like, mm-hmm. a deck like that for a long time. Uh, the pod decks uh, that were still yeah. decks without the pod. I think it's funny to kind of see a lot of those kind of, like. Sit back once Horizons came out. But then now the format's kind of like almost self correcting. All that we really added were two cards. We added Bowmaster and the One Ring. Well, what, you know, these decks didn't draw those cards sometimes. So, you know, what it's it's, just like the meta was before. So it's it's almost like, you know, the format's like finally. Uh, mm. self correcting life and I think finds a way where it's at. Yeah. yeah exactly well,
0: th- that's a that's a great sign of a healthy eternal format right where you can just add two cards and then all of a sudden everything is shifting because that tells me that the general power level was kind of even across a lot so one little ripple can all of a sudden change a lot of things like which is something actually that like for people who have been following standard i'm just going to keep using this as as an example because it makes sense like fable and bankbuster getting banned all of a sudden, we're now seeing the metagame shift without even any new cards coming out. That wasn't yeah, happening right. before, you know? And, right, yeah. and the
1: bannings, the bannings will do that. But also, mm-hmm. like, it's funny to say it's, it only took two cards to shift modern, you know, mm-hmm. the Ring and Bowmasters, but but, like, I think that's more a testament to how powerful the ring is. That's The fair. ring is so insanely powerful. I mean, it's clearly designed for casual magic. It's a commander card. And in constructed formats, uh, I mean, it's, like, the same as saying, well, Legacy was a good format because, look, all the decks changed once they put in a couple initiative cards. And it's like, wait, what? No. That, that didn't mean the <laughs> format was, like, even. Fair. It meant that this card they put in is so ridiculous. But... Anyway, jumping back, uh, you mentioned, you know, the five color thing is really interesting. I know a lot of players complain about that in Standard right now. A lot of players are like, too many try lands. Everybody gets to do whatever they want. There's no punishment for anything. You know, it's it's free, easy street. Everybody just gets to play everything. And you're right. There's, there's that to an extent. But I think the reason also that you're seeing those decks able to not only function, but perform well in competitive settings is because of... Uh, not the mana base being good, but the lack of decks that punish that strategy. Like, aggro Mm. is bad in standard. Aggro has been not good in standard for a long time now. And when aggro's bad, you've got people, you know, Rakdos splashing Atraxa back before the bannings and just all the kinds of crazy (laughs) stuff because they weren't getting punished, you know what I mean? So it's interesting, jumping back to Modern... Um, Everybody goes, oh, the ring is great. The ring lends itself to more slow, grindy decks. It's great in Tron. It's it's great in, you know, Four Color Control. It's great in Demir Ring. You know, all these slow, reactive, control-based decks, they want to play ring. So what beats the hell out of those decks? burn mono red baby burn, mono baby, if burn. i was playing in the pro, pro tour this weekend i <laughs> and i'm not joking i would play mono red and those of you who know me i i play almost exclusively control decks. so th- that's how m- much of an endorsement this is i think mono red is awesome right now i think mono red punishes so much of what uh, other decks are, are doing i especially think you know as long as you're a good mono red pilot and this is where a lot of people uh will say Oh, mono-red, yeah, I can I can switch to mono-red like a week before the tournament and I'll be fine. Like, I don't need to practice that much. It's mono-red. It's like, you're doing yourself a huge disservice if you put in the reps. This is the problem. I think mono-red gets a bad rep because a lot of players pick it up and play it thinking they can play it well, and then they don't do well, and then the results kind of show that. But when you watch a good player play mono-red, and they're not they're not suspending rift bolt when they know their opponent's going to have to ferry three next turn or the one ring giving them Hexproof, and that Rift bolt's going to get blanked or you know there's all these little corner cases when you're getting your max value and you're getting every single percentage point in that mono red deck it is absolutely one of the best decks in modern it's it's one of the hardest decks to beat it actually takes advantage of the fact that people are playing things like ring and, and even Bowmasters is okay against it but not amazing uh it's got a good matchup against a lot of these top decks um I don't know. I think yeah, Bowmaster
2: uh, it, like, uh, doesn't yeah. really do anything against Burn. You can maybe get a double block off your Bowmaster, but there's no one toughness creature unless the Burn deck somehow right. is playing Ragavan, which is usually unlikely. What I actually find really interesting, I agree 100% with you. Burn is usually like a really good choice once the format slows down, and I actually think it's interesting that Burn actually has some of the best answers like a Skullcrack where you can yeah. skull crack your opponent in the in the face and then it doesn't matter that they got their one ring trigger resolved because it literally says damage can't be prevented so you yep, can right. just you know keep going off burning as him. you will yeah keep burning and turning yeah. and i think that you know there's a lot of people who kind of like forget that in order for you to kind of like take advantage of what's going on in the meta game you kind of have to rock paper scissors a little bit and i oh, think yeah. that burn is always going to be like a good choice when the format is kind of like hitting this mid-rangey to control point. And I also think that there's just like so many different ways to attack like the format as well. Like I really think Mm -hmm. that there's, you know, like I mentioned the living end deck earlier where it's another aggro deck that's essentially kind of like taking advantage of any opponent being slow. So as we know, most of these decks don't play counter spells. Well, if your Mm -hmm. opponent just taps out and you cycle three or four creatures, you just cast a living End. they're not going to board wipe. You know, their fury doesn't yeah. matter as much anymore. Right. They need like uh, they need like two solitudes at that point, And you're just going to like crush mm-hmm. them and beat them down. Uh, Hammer yeah. time is actually like a deck I think is also kind of like falling a little bit out of flavor. Um, and it's right. another deck that really punishes any opponent like having a slow start where you can kind of just like hit them with a the big infect land and kind of just like kill them out of nowhere. Surprisingly, yeah, you know what? Besides like, you know, burn we talk about like red decks what's really surprising is that Blood Moon is actually not necessarily the best card right now, even yep. though Blood Moon, in hit historically, has been great against, oh, any deck that plays more than two colors, right? Oh, I just bring in the Blood Moon, they're just playing a bunch of, you know, non-basic lands, but... Or Tron, right, or whatever. Yeah, or Tron, yeah, yeah. or whatever. But yeah, there's enough, like, answers in the format to Blood Moon, then it just, like, doesn't even matter. You can play it against Titan, and then they still have the Karyotid or the... the well, silver, right, and... But, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, they, there's so many different approaches to it and most of these decks don't even you know they just don't really care they're just ready for it right they just have all the answers yep. uh they can well, just like, that, kind of back
1: in things like y- that you know you see the one ring decks so like this Demir ring deck kind of started to beat these other ring decks and one of the reasons it just stayed two color was to be just basically blood moon proof blood moon just doesn't do anything against the blue black ring deck and uh, and some of the other decks that that are seeing play even against the four color deck as long as you're a good competent four color pilot you know what to fetch you know you're playing in scam you you know start fetching out those basics and then it's not that hard to beat a blood moon it's not like it was back when blue moon uh, was the prismatic a deck and, ending and exists kind of you know prismatic you have like, ending yeah right. like the
2: perfect ending now where you're right like you just fetch for. You know, you just already maybe have one basic out, you fetch for any other basic, and then all yeah. your non basics are in red. So you have your three colors there. So then no matter yep. what, they play the Blood Moon, they tap out for a do nothing card, you're just prismatic, and they keep moving on with your day. And, you know, God forbid yep. you have like an Omnath out, and now you're just like destroying your opponent, you know, really punishing yeah, them for I... tapping out for a do nothing enchantment. Like, it's just so funny that Blood Moon isn't even good <laughs> you know it's like barely yeah. a sideboard option for I, I would still I'm still
1: sideboard it but that's it yeah I agree with you uh, other decks that I think are very powerful like uh I, I I'm kind of surprised I think it's again a, a byproduct of ooh, new flashy toys to play with I don't want to play mono red let's play a ring deck let's play a bow master's deck another deck that doesn't play either of those cards that's still very good in modern is breach Underworld hmm. Breach, I, I what that deck is an excellent combo deck. It's still powerful. It doesn't lose to you know like Ring is a little bit tricky, but you know you can beat it. Uh, but but others like with the grinding station, the Underworld Breach grinding station deck, um, it's very powerful. But nobody plays it because it's a hard deck to learn to play well. And right now, I think most players are just not interested in putting in the time to learn it when they could just pick up a deck with four one rings in it or four. It's bow just masters lantern and just control, call it a right? Day.
2: Like that's but all yeah, it really it, is. It's just like a lantern control mm-hmm. variant. Obviously, yeah. you're not playing Lantern Control, but it's another deck that, um, kind of like Kethys is in like historic, where it's obviously mm. like mm-hmm, a really right. powerful combo deck but most players yeah. don't want to pick it up because it requires too much. Like at the end of the yeah. day, you losing percentage points because you can't play your deck correctly. is not worth yeah. it in a competitive setting. Most of these people would right. rather pick up the scam deck where, oops, I got the grief combo and I just got of your best cards and you, you get a scam recover. Yeah. And then that's <laughs> yeah. the end of the game. Yeah. You know, they'd rather yeah, do yeah. that and take that combo approach. than take the time to kind of like necessarily learn every single in and out because these decks are so right. complex to play. And, The main thing when you play these types of combo decks is that you literally have to know what card you lose to at that right time. Or like you have to know your every single one of your opponent's decks because you have to know what to do at the right time or else you just lose because, oh, they drew that. I let them draw this one card or, oh, I did this one thing wrong and I didn't like combo off correctly.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's a situation that all... Players can identify with the idea of like, oh, okay, I made a misplay here and it cost me this game. But the thing right. is, with a deck that's this complicated, that has this many decision points, you like if you tap the one, like one of your land wrong, or if you're doing the escape and you exile the wrong thing to pay for something else, it's like, that's it, it's over, you're done. And like, and sequencing right. makes such a huge difference uh, well, in those yeah. kind and, of and setups. And-
1: and this is where a deck like Breach is very different from a combo deck like Yawgmoth. They're both Mm -hmm. combo decks, but the big difference between Breach is that is the kind of combo deck that does not have a plan b it is a combo deck it is trying to kill you at the grinding station and that's it there's no other way it can kill you whereas yawgmoth has a solid plan b it can beat the hell out of you with creatures not to mention you know it was like splinter twin back in the day sometimes i would splinter twin combo win the game like that and great we did the thing other times they would strip your splinter twins or for whatever reason you weren't able to go for it you would just beat them with snapcaster lightning bolts and like the you know. Click. Uh, <laughs> Vendilia, yeah, like some two mana or a two power, three power beater, and some burn, and that's all you needed. Uh, that's a good plan B. Some combo decks that are all in, like breach, are really uh, not only difficult to play, but they're they're very all in. They're very linear and uh, laser focused. They don't have a plan B. So I think the, a deck like this is not seeing a lot of play right now. You're not seeing it, you know, put up great numbers, but it still has good win percentage. When you when you look at how, uh, like, the, the four players in the ter- giant tournament uh, that did play Breach, they all do very well. And this is consistent across many, uh, you know, tournaments. You can look up results on NTG Melee and stuff, but barely any people are playing it. Uh, so it's it's really interesting. I wonder if we'll see somebody, like a pro is, the you know, at the pro tour, we can see players who are very good with Breach, uh, maybe do well with this kind of strategy because if other players are not ready for it, if they're not you know practiced in the matchup, if they're not uh, they don't have some sideboard cards against it or what have you, uh, they might get you know robbed by the uh, by the breach deck of their wins. And um, we'll I see. Think, I uh, still think yeah, go uh, ahead. another
2: deck that kind of resembles this that I think that they will actually show up with is going to be the Amulet mm-hmm. Titan. Obviously, they're not the same type of deck, but I think the Amulet Titan is probably going to be a little bit easier to pilot. And a lot, obviously, neither deck is really that forgiving. But I think that Amulet Titan, I feel like, is a lot more deck that maybe they might lean into more than this. You're but right. I, I agree with you. Like, the players that know how to play these decks usually do really good with them. Just like when Charles Balcher showed up for, like, two right. months and Charles Bulcher was taking down, like, you know, these MTGO <laughs> sure, events. Belcher. And we're like, why is... You know, it's weird. How come this deck wasn't around? Well, it's not around right now. It's like barely even a deck. Nobody talks about it, but it was a deck for about two months. And it showed up. People who grinded with it knew how to play it. They got the best results they could with it. And now apparently they moved on. And I think that that's kind of like the testament to modern itself is that modern. I've always said this modern rewards the player that knows their deck more than anything else. If you know your deck, you can beat any bad matchup. There's like You pretty much don't really have any bad matchups. You just lose to cards, right? Yeah. That's really and, all uh, that you lose to in Modern. And I think that m- right. right now, Modern's like, I think always for a long time now, Modern's been the most consistent, wide open format. It, you know, you can brew, mm-hmm. you can play established decks that already exist. And like yeah. I said, it rewards the player that knows their deck inside out. And I think that yeah. that's you know just the perfect format if you want to play competitive i I really, really do believe that it doesn't it only gets still for a little bit and then you know sometimes it solves I itself mean like this
1: it's and the, when the decks are that powerful, like in modern, I would say there's about ten decks. Maybe twelve that you could put in tier one, tier one point five, and then there's probably like thirty more decks that you could put into tier two, like huge variety hmm. of decks. And any one of those decks, like what you're just talking about, a deck won, 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 won came in first place, won the challenge last weekend, blue black mill mill deck in modern. And if you look at that player's player history, if you go and, and look at Goldfish and look at that, look up that player's name. It's page after page of them playing blue, black, mill, blue, black, mill, blue, in every single event, playing the same deck, some Japanese pro, I think, or Japanese grinder. Um, He ends up winning, and uh, yeah, the mastery of that deck, and a deck like mill, again, because modern is such a big format, there's so many powerful decks, that any one of those decks can suddenly come and steal a tournament if people are not ready for it. It's so easy to beat Mill. Just put Cool in your sideboard. That's it. They can never win. You know, every deck can just put Cool in their sideboard. Mill is impo- <laughs> done. It's finished. But nobody's doing that. You know, nobody's going to do that. So suddenly Mill gets good again. Just like Dredge. Just like Affinity back in the day. Affinity Merfolk. would be a tier two deck or Merfolk. And then eventually someone would go you know what i'm looking at these sideboards from last week's tournaments nobody's playing artifact hate nobody's playing you know something that's good against merfolk wrath effects or whatever it is uh Mm -hmm. you know ping your team uh hey i I don't see my sideboard dredge oh i'm looking i don't see any graveyard hate Uh, tron isn't main decking relic of progenitus and you know all this stuff anymore uh i'm gonna bring out dredge and then suddenly the deck wins and then everybody goes oh damn it do i have to put and we're cool in my sideboard now. Like, do I do I have to put some whatever in my sideboard? It's so weird the way that works, but yeah. Like, I there's feel like so modern's been like
2: this for so long, right? Like it's been like this yeah. since almost its inception. Like it has just been so wide open and you're right. Like all it takes is just changing one card in the sideboard and the meta completely yeah. shifts like the other way. And like all these old staple decks that have been pushed out a bit by modern horizons still yeah. kind of exist as long as you like know how to play them. And some of these people have been playing them for like 10 years. Fifteen yeah. years. You know, they've yeah. been playing these decks for a long time.
0: Well, and when I mentioned a healthy format, this is what I was talking about. You know, the idea that, like, you don't need a new card to show up. You don't need a banning. And things can still shift. You know? And that's mm-hmm. that's what I, I love. I love watching. And that's actually one of the things that's kind of fun watching Standard in, in the summertime right now. Because things are shifting. Because people answer yeah. one threat. Another threat goes unanswered, and yeah, it's it's fun to see things pop back up again. And you're right, actually, it's funny. I, I didn't, it hadn't even occurred to me that people. Haven't been talking that much about Graveyard Hate and Modern, uh, you know, in the last couple yeah. of weeks. I and mean, Living like, End oh. is a
1: good deck. Uh, you know, Holly uh, Hollywood yeah. touched on it. Living End is a great deck. Right now, they picked up some excellent pieces in uh the the Troll of Kazadun and the mm. uh the Mammoth, the red, those basic oh, land cyclers like, yeah. from the Lord of the Rings. We didn't touch on those because Ring and One Ring and Bowmasters gets all the attention. But those cycling cards are absolute solid additions for Living End. They just slotted right into Living End. I think all three of them: the blue one, Lorien reveal. Field, the Troll of Kazadun and the Red Dude, the, the Mammoth. They all went right in that deck. They're all excellent in that deck. You're even seeing those basic land cyclers see play in Legacy. Now, the, 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 the Legacy deck that may be the best deck in Legacy, or one of the top decks, is Blue-Black Delver. They went back to Black to play Main Deck Reanimate, because on Turn 1, you cycle that Troll of Kazadun. Turn 2, Reanimate, pay 6 life, you've got a 6-5 that can't be blocked, is very powerful in Legacy. There's not many, you know, everybody's playing Fatal Push and stuff. It doesn't touch it. Like, there, there's very few answers on turn one that deal with this. It's ironic that we go from, you know, Legacy has actual reanimator Grizzlebrand on turn one. But Grizzlebrand not so good against the Orcish Bowmasters, as it turns out. So you're much better <laughs> uh, reanimating a troll of Kazadun And um, Doom? Doom, yes. Yeah. And... Um, and doing this kind of stuff. So for modern, going back to modern, Living End is a real deck, and Living End has a very good matchup against Mono Red Burn, for example, or, or decks like that. Um, so we might see Living End make a make a return to the top tables in, in next week, but it's going to be tricky. I don't know. I think it's it's still. Uh, living End's is one of those decks like we were talking about it like merfolk like affinity uh, and, and these other kind of decks that really have to have a very specific set of decks at the top that they're expecting and if those decks are the decks that they have good matchups against living End's is a great choice but it's not a great choice against uh the wider field a lot of times uh right. you know i know tron tron is playing relic in the main now the the ring tron decks they're also playing uh oh what is that uh, there's some Eldrazi spell that has three modes that one of them is like, you know, you can mess Warping with the graveyard. Thank you, Warping Whale. It counters a sorcery. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I used to use that to, yeah. Oh, counters counter sorcery. Cascade that's right, that's spells. what it is. Mm.
0: Yeah, 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 like yeah. the
2: cards, Warping is great. It exiles a Ragavan. It ramps yeah. you. It gets you the one ring a lot quicker or your Karn a lot quicker. And it also counters some of the cards that are traditionally good against Tron, like a Thoughtseize, uh, like these yeah. Cascade cards, uh, Scape Shift even like all so, these random cards, I used to just counter with Warping Whale. And if I'm seeing a lot of just Warping really Whales, card.
1: yeah, and I'm seeing Tron playing this in the main, I'm not bringing Living End to the to the to the tournament. You know, so it totally the Living End can be really good. It just depends on what what else is seeing play. Kind of like Mono Red. Um, again, I think yeah, Mono Red still has the best spread of matches against the other Ring decks, against the Bowmaster decks, against basically what everybody's trying to do right now in Modern. So. We'll see what happens this weekend. It's going to be really interesting. I'm going to be watching the Pro Tour, but uh, what, what about you guys? Do you have time to watch uh, this weekend? Do you have any interest in seeing it? I don't know.
0: Oh, I'd love to check it out myself. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, modern, baby. It's going to be fun.
2: Yeah, we're going but, to be uh, uh, deep into a tourney, I think, for that weekend as oh, well. Oh, yes. But, uh, <laughs> we'll definitely oh, right. be be uh, tuning in and watching uh what's gonna happen i'm, <laughs> well, I'm interested to see yeah, sure if can. the lord of the rings cards what impact they really do have right now nothing against like some of the you know obviously the mtgo events are like even feel better sometimes in the arena events but uh, nothing right. to knock them you know they're still not a tournament right until we get right. to the pro tour we don't know if the one ring is as good as it is to literally put in every deck And I also think that Orca's Bowmasters, Mm -hmm. even though it's obviously like we know how good it is, I actually think it's almost like underrated because we still don't even get how good it is because we won't know until we really see cards other than Ragavan start to get pushed out. Like you can't even play one toughness cards. You barely could play one toughness creatures if they weren't Ragavan. Now you definitely can't. So any Mm -hmm. card that we think it could easily fit into the format might not even make it anymore because bow masters exist so i think it's going to yeah. be really interesting yeah. going forward and card draw cards things like that you know organ yeah. pressure master itself offsets the ring so at least we know there's yeah. an inherent uh, answer already for it but at the same time i think it's going to be interesting to see where the format evolves into and who knows i mean yeah you know, what if like maybe these cards kind of stop some new strategies from coming along because they're so strong or maybe that will yeah, happen Yeah, these Mm -hmm. awesome things are happening like we're seeing now, just like Damien and I have been stating, where it's like, hey, look, here's this old deck. Well, it's a lot better now because you just put in Bowmaster and Ring, and then all of a sudden now your deck can compete with every other deck out there. And it's actually kind of awesome. You know, we get upset about cards that end up getting the banhammer because they're played in every deck. Well, what about cards that make other decks better? We kind (laughs) of saw that with Bankbuster where, well, Bankbuster mm-hmm. kind of makes the mono Y strategy better because the mono Y strategy doesn't run out of gas. And now I can compete with, you know, the Racto strategy because the Racto strategy never runs out of gas because it already has cards like Fable in it. And yeah. I think that we're kind of seeing that in Modern where we're seeing the ring kind of push up decks like the Murfolk deck. Uh, even some of these like Red Prowess decks are playing the one ring and that kind of helps them grind out and go over the top of decks like Omnath. And some of these, you know, five color piles, whereas before they kind of puttered out once they, you know, that solitude hit and so on and so forth. But yeah, now the ring God. kind of gives these decks a little bit more of that reach. Same with Bowmaster, and well, Bowmaster you, you, really just offsets so many cards.
1: You're right, you're right. And and like when it's colorless, that's when it's really scary because that it goes in everything. So, Bank Buster, or in this case, One Ring, you're right, it will elevate some decks, they will get better when they get to play this colorless, very powerful card. Uh, but the problem is it also goes in the enemy's deck that they they are trying to, you know, they're, they're trying to get their matchup better against whatever other deck they're, you know, they're, they're not great against by adding this colorless card. Like Mono White and Standard, you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, sure, they they, they adding the, the Bank Buster really helped their deck grind against Rakdos, but uh, Rakdos is also playing Bank Buster, you <laughs> exactly, know, and it's also yeah. good in their deck. So mm-hmm. it's like, wait, are mm-hmm. we really like, we're both, both decks are getting elevated. Same with the One Ring. I mean, it's just going, sure, it, maybe it helps Merfolk, but it also helps tron and and you know four color and all these other decks like everybody's just playing it so even though the the bad decks got better the good decks also got better so it's like uh i don't know is it actually we might also see
2: like some really bad cards get played to answer the one ring um but cast into fire is a pretty decent card obviously has two modes on it uh you can ping two to one toughness cards like a dragon rage or the ragavan but um it's gonna be interesting to see if we see some other exile artifacts cards in either in the main deck or the yeah. sideboard that we hadn't seen yet or we haven't well, seen for a long time kind of like a, a relic warden a leonin relic warden which is oh, like a double yeah. white for a 2-2 two two, it exiles an artifact until it leaves play so I think, it, as weird as it is i mean maybe we'll see cards like this make a risk what what do you think yeah but double be white answers I, I or do you the think the people answers... will just be going over the top do you think that well, that's the probably answers... the better answer
1: they have to line up. There has to be a shell. This, like, Leon and Relic Warder is a double white card. If the, if nobody's playing, like, a deck that wants this is like a Thalia deck or something like that, which mm-hmm. just gets wrecked by Bowmasters. Thalia is unplayable now, and even Hammer Time and stuff like that. Like, there's... If you're playing a bunch of small creatures, you're probably not in great shape right now because of all the Bowmasters, and Leon and Relic Warder goes in a deck that wants, you know, that kind of... Uh, small creatures strategy synergy so uh, like uh, karn i think right now the best answer is karn fetch up a haywire mite you know haywire mm. wire mite can exile an artifact right well, karn, karn shuts karn off actually... the ring
2: by itself right like and karn shuts
1: off the ring yeah so yeah. karn being one of the better answers fetching up, haywire mite's a really good answer to the ring the, the, like but but like cast into the fire is a good example so yeah that looks that looks great but again you think about what kind of deck wants that mono red hell if i'm a mono red deck I don't care if your ring sits in play and continues to damage you, you know. So I don't even really care about killing it. I don't even know if I would bring in that that spell if I was Monorex. hundred percent. Yeah, scam, scam might do it or something. That's not able to really pressure the life. Right, they, that they slower mid rangey
2: deck might bring yeah. it in because
1: you're right. They yeah, yeah, they can't
2: go over the top and kill the opponent. Whereas burn, you're right. You tap burn out for four. Just- and i just respond by hitting you with like a skull (laughs) crack or something yes and then Mm -hmm. your
1: ring burden counters damage you and now you're doing my job for me and yeah Mm -hmm. i'm fine with it you can draw all the cards you want so it's, it's interesting. Yeah, we'll see if some sideboard cards uh, see play. Like Cast in the Fire, I could see maybe out of the Scam sideboard or something. But, um, you know, other effects, while they may be good against the ring in a vacuum, unfortunately, they don't have a home in any of the top decks. Like something like Relic Warder was a good example where, yeah, that would be a great answer if there was a deck that wanted a card like Relic Warder. But it just like... Yeah, the only deck a would be Hammer card? Time.
2: And Hammer Time yeah. is kind of like falling off a little bit. And you Ex- can't even, yeah. you know, you can't even say Relic like, word is good against other Hammer Time decks because you'll be one of like three people playing it at the Pro Tour.
1: And, yeah. I, oh, mean, I, mean, I mean, we'll
2: probably see Hammer Time more than that. I'm definitely like, you know, exaggerating see, a bit. But, um, I
1: I think it's crazy to say this, but this is kind of a hot take. I, I think Fatal Push isn't even good anymore in Modern. That I know that sounds insane, but wow. Fatal Push is in all these different decks. But right now, the only deck that Fatal Push is actually good again, I think most of the decks playing Fatal Push are just hoping to have it kill some stuff against mono red uh it's an, it's an impact of Bowmasters. ragavan
2: it's still ragavan memory because since right. you don't have most decks don't play lightning bolt anymore every deck still yeah. plays black so they play thought season push and i think that right. a lot of what you're seeing with these fatal push is kind of like memory like of the past because like everyone forgets that it. yeah this does nothing against solitude it doesn't kill fury it doesn't kill a renin six yeah. masters um, and it
1: Bowmasters kills Thalia, Bowmasters kills yep. all these things, you don't mm-hmm. need the Fatal Boy. Bowmasters yeah, kills Ragavan, have two you don't need pushes anymore. So. Yeah. yeah, it's so yeah. weird, because this is one of the glue cards of the format. I mean, in Pioneer, in Modern, I mean, it's an excellent removal spell. It's seen tons of play since it was printed, but right now, I mean, when you look at the top decks, sure, we can find Merfolk and all these other Tier 2 decks that maybe it, it's good against, but against the other top decks? It is not very good. It is not hitting a ton of stuff that Bowmasters doesn't already kill or that you just basically ignore anyway. Yeah, you just like um, lose to really like a Merc
2: Tide, right? Like Merktide when it comes down, yeah. you probably lost if you can't kill it. And Fatal Push is doing yeah. nothing against like a Merktide, even and that deck's and like the elemental is falling
1: out of flavor. Yeah, the elementals. Yeah, like you said. Yeah, if yeah. you're not killing like scam, you know, half the creatures out of scam or whatever, then it's a problem. I guess you can kill a void walker. Yeah. Uh, but, but
2: that's yeah. not even like worth it most of the time unless it really likes right. your strategy
1: or yes. they got something good out of exile with it which
2: could be a possibility but or I mean it's it's possible Shadow's is a real thing right like you fetch shock like yeah. twice you're already mm-hmm. gonna lose to this card but they uh-huh. can also
1: sack it in response and it's just yeah. like oh, I don't know fatal push right now I think you're just hoping to have it kill stuff against mono red and that's like basically it I'm not even sure what else mm. it's, it's even yeah, good against which is crazy to say that's it's, it, yeah. it's insane yeah, that's to wild. say wild. Yeah, anyway, that, we'll, it we'll feels
0: see. like like the premium removal for that kind of a format, but you're absolutely right. It's a
2: good thing though, man, yeah. because like we've gotten to like we rode the Modern Horizons 2 Ragavan wave where it was like, oh, every deck needs to have interaction. And now you could almost like ditch a little bit of interaction knowing that you're just going to go over the top whatever your opponent does. It doesn't even matter yeah, if they mm-hmm. have the turn one Ragavan. If your deck's more broken than that, Like, if you're hitting your Tron on the right time, hitting your one ring, and then you're drawing, like, three or four cards a turn, now you've got, like, a Worm Call down, and your opponent just literally can't stop that. Um, So I I think that, you know, the format is almost self-correcting, which is where I think Modern was going. I don't – I personally don't think that the format needed any bans, and I personally don't think that it needs any bans anymore. I think that the problematic cards were the companion cards. Uh, mm-hmm. either Luris kind of like homogenizing most of the archetypes or Yorion, which was essentially giving us like second sunrise vibes where yeah. every game was taking like, you know, or every match was taking like an hour for game one to finish the mirrors. just because you got to oh. like shuffle your deck after mm-hmm. every fetch. And, oh, you know, <laughs> once Yorion comes down now, every single trigger and all this, even in real life, that's like mm-hmm. a lot to, to do. It just takes up yeah. so much time. So I, I think now with all the exits of these cards, and with the introduction of Lord of Rings, which you, you're right, Damien, not only do we get like powerful cards like the ring and Orcish Bowmaster, we're seeing like the commons, uncommons have like a really, really big effect. And there's even cards that we think that potentially might even have an effect in the future. I just think that modern yeah. right now is probably at its healthiest it's been in a long time. And it definitely has a yeah. very bright future going forward.
1: Which is great for this pro tour this weekend. So to, to wrap it up, do you guys want to, what are your top picks or maybe your, If you had to name the top three performing, best performing decks this weekend, what do you think they're going to (laughs) be? Put you on the spot.
2: I'm going with um, Scam. Uh, I think Is It Creativity is going to be really, really good. And I am expecting potentially, like you're saying, like an aggro deck, maybe like a domain or a burn deck uh, to Mm -hmm. somehow break through and punish the slower grindier decks but i am actually very Mm -hmm. very high on creativity i think that it has fallen a little bit out of flavor and i think that that's like a bad thing i actually think that it still has a really really good chance especially against decks like scam where like you get like that card down and there's not you know you get your archon of cruelty down there's not really most decks can't even deal with that card um Mm -hmm. so at the end of the day I think creativity has a little bit of like the broadness of being able to attack either with the mid-range plan or the combo plan. And I think that that gives it kind of a little bit of an edge going into this metagame that's either going to be grindy, grindy decks or like these one ring over the top decks. And a little bit of those mm-hmm. combo decks in the uh, living end and uh, the teamer cascade decks that we just hmm. haven't really seen for a while, in all honesty. Yep. What
1: do you think, Cam? Nice. Any
0: when it when it comes to modern, I am not as well versed as either of you two gentlemen. Um, so I fear this is going to be that guy, you know, filling out his bra- March Madness brackets, you know, here in the States <laughs> based on what cities he wants to visit. But that's OK. Uh, <laughs> like, So at the end of the day, like Hammer Time is an archetype that I absolutely adore. And I love the fact that it's been a consistent contender. I know it's not like as well represented right now. But I do, I wanna see Hammer Time succeed. So I'm gonna be rooting for it, whether it's a smart pr- choice or not. Living End is also my kind of nonsense. I well, I wanna see a common get reanimated on turn one to win a game. That's what I wanna see. And that's exactly what we're seeing with Troll of Cats of Doom. And I love that that's like people are finding these like goofy roundabout ways for these like draft utility commons to step up in modern. I adore that. So I definitely mm-hmm. wanna see that, that work. And then at the end of the day, I mean, I feel like Racto Scammer is it Murtagh or both? Kind of like rooting for the Yankees. Like it's just like they're like, they're just they're awesome. They're gonna crush and you know. And uh, so I don't know. I, I want to see those go down, but at the same time, like Racto Scam, like the the potential on that deck is insane. So I I, I feel like it's kind of yeah. I would expect you that just, to, to put up some numbers. You, yeah. you like
1: Hammer Time because it's got Ham in the name. That's yes. why. You, That's we all 100% know. correct.
0: Yes. Hammer,
2: and picking the Hammer and the reanimator ham decks. No, no, I, no surprise I, I mean,
0: here. The, for the folks watching the <laughs> video Damien feed, time. I do actually yeah. use Colossus Hammer as my backdrop. I even have it as one of my emotes on Twitch. Yes, oh, I, yeah. I, I'm all in on the Hammer. Um, so if it's an option, I'm rooting for it. I just, I have to, yes. Well, <laughs> I'm really I'm excited not, I,
1: though. I'm so excited. Yeah, Yeah, me too. I'm not rooting oh, yeah. for any specific deck, but if I had to predict what decks would do the best yeah yeah, yeah. scam scam has got to be one of them recto scam is going to do well it's going to almost certainly put multiple copies in the top eight uh i wouldn't be surprised to see a mono red deck go the distance and i wouldn't be surprised to see breach actually come out of nowhere in the hands of somebody like i don't know like cory bowmeister is you know somebody who's famous for playing nothing but breach and he's very good with that deck um but we'll see i like i like your take hollywood i think creativity has a good matchup against scam and one of the reasons scam is so good right now is because creativity is on the decline but if somebody goes you know what if everybody's gonna bring griefs and furies i'm gonna bring creativity and try and maybe dodge the ring decks and then get the you know get the wins off these scam decks because yeah creativity i I don't think is great against a lot of the ring decks but it is good against scam so yeah it'll be interesting to see um I hope uh, I hope it's a diverse metagame.
2: Yeah, I think go. it's going to be wide open. I'm actually like it, it's really cool because we don't get to see a format like modern as much anymore in the Pro Tour scene. And I think that mm-hmm. a lot of like what ends up evolving the metagame is where you get the best of the best in the world and they all get together and they play. And then we actually see what decks are able to kind of survive the essential huge meta shakeup that this tournament's going to provide because you know coming out of this tournament who knows maybe some of these big contenders that have been around for months or have been around since like modern horizons 2 don't even exist anymore what if like four color just jumps right into the dumpster and isn't even a good deck anymore right we don't know that until this tournament happens and until we see you know what the pros kind of come up with for their own answers like like we're talking about creativity as an example what if the creativity decks finally found that answer that they were looking for in the sideboard and then okay now that deck you know takes over and it's like It's just interesting. I'm really happy that Modern still, you know, Modern's always been my favorite format uh, in terms of like competitive magic. And I think it's really, really cool that it's back to like a really great place. And it's really cool to finally see it like almost self-correcting. I feel like for a long time, we kind of just like banned some cards and we're just like, all right, at least that big boogeyman's gone. But now it's like there's so many cards. There's so many powerful cards that I think that Modern can kind of police itself. It doesn't really mean anything
1: else. I just wish it was cheaper. That's all I wish mm. I would love to play modern uh, can't really justify getting into it, sadly. But right yeah, that's Maybe the only downside change.
2: is that it's like a it's about as expensive now as getting into legacy was like four or five years yes. ago. And right, I, right. I think that that that's kind of rough because, you know, for you tell anyone modern is the best format and then they look at the initial investment and they're like, oh, yeah, no, well, thanks. Then, I'd rather build you a fine. Yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, if you invest in a deck, like, mm-hmm. again, one of the problems with modern, you can get into it but you're stuck with that mm-hmm. one car you're driving that one you know vehicle you decided to pilot you can't switch cars you can't switch decks very easily because mm-hmm. yeah they're they're so cost per like exorbitant costs that like, you're just like the best example
2: yeah. is like you can build mono green in pioneer and it'll probably be around 350 to 400 dollars. now mm-hmm. don't get me wrong you can build burn for probably like 250 300 bucks and you can build tron for probably like 100 dollars more I like the 300, 350 to four hundred range for modern. So I yeah. mean, when you get to that level, it's not different. But then in comparison, when you say, well, but modern green's still like one of the best decks in pioneer, and then you compare it to like merktide, where merktide's like a thirteen hundred dollar deck. It's like, yeah, I guess like, you know, for four hundred bucks, I can get literally those, you know, top three deck in the format compared to the thirteen hundred it takes to get the merktide. And I think that that's yeah. kind of like where real paper. This is where paper has the biggest difference from online maybe not mtgo because mtgo you still yeah. have money but yeah. in terms of arena versus paper you know in paper you're going to see a lot more of these burn decks because those are cards people can afford right whereas exactly. like not yeah. everyone can go get this even the racto scam deck is like a thousand dollars and
1: it's like 1200
2: well, bucks and that's like that's outrageous for quote-unquote the best yeah. deck you
1: know you're right, and this is where it gets very misleading with digital versus real life. When most mm-hmm. players, the vast majority of players out there go to play Modern at their local game store, they're playing against Merfolk, they're playing against Mill, they're playing against the decks that people have been playing for years because they can't really switch, it's too expensive. So your local Modern metagame is actually really great. It's not all money pile decks, you know, and it's not all like all the elementals everywhere and one rings everywhere. These kind of cards, even the even the one ring is a brand new card, it's still very expensive to switch to a play set of one rings and switch your entire deck. I mean, most players you're just you're not going to see the same top 8s on Magic Online challenges as you are at your local game store. So, even though modern is expensive, I think as long as you're not trying to qualify like next season is going to be modern uh for the RCQ season, I believe. Which is um, that's going to be tough because there's going to be a lot of players who are going to have to invest money if they do want to qualify for the regional championships. Modern's not going to be easy to do it uh, um, on a the budget. Cards
2: go up too when the season's on. And
1: know. yep, that's right, that's
2: mm-hmm. right. We're going to so see it's probably going to go from forty to eighty dollars again. Uh, yeah, I would it could imagine. Be. I mean, well, maybe so get them now. Keeps it in get check. your cards we'll now. See. You know, like get, yeah, get your we'll cards see, we'll now see. if you want to get into modern because. The Pro Tour is already going to happen, and the Pro Tour already could spike some cards. So, like yeah. we talked and- about, I think, in last week's episode, it was, if you want to get into Standard, you know, if you want to get into Modern, get your cards now while well, they're cheap. While well, the cards have been reprinted. ragavan yeah. has been reprinted. He's 40 bucks. It used to be a $100 card plus, so...
1: Yeah. Get it now. No, you're absolutely right. That was good advice. I remember when you said that last episode, I was like, "Yep, Hollywood nailed it." Yeah. Make sure you're timing your purchases with the cycles of these things. Uh, when RCU season's coming up, you know what format it's going to be. Uh, get rid of your or get get your stables early, or get rid of your stables before that that season ends. Either way, you know, try and maximize your your economy because magic is not a cheap game, but uh, modern is one of those formats that yeah, just decide what you want out of the game. If you don't want to play competitively, don't feel bad about putting a homebrew modern deck together or, or a deck that's like old from like old modern three years. Go ahead and play your Tarmogoyf, play your Jund, you know, list. It's fine at a local game store. You're still going to be able to get wins and, and compete. And not everybody's going to be playing the new hotness, you know, but um, for this weekend at the pro tour, it's going to be all hotness, baby. I can't wait.
0: So what the you're saying ring. is my my homebrew is it guild mage desperate ritual <laughs> combo deck has a chance. That's what just
1: I'm saying. There's a chance. <laughs> just don't go outside your backyard.
0: Yeah, okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just just put falsies
2: in your deck. You got a
1: chance.
0: I just want to win with infinite yeah. lava spikes. That's all. That's all I want.
1: <laughs> mono red, mono red. Get those reps in. Mono,
0: red's
2: yeah, very mono good red. Yeah, right mono Mono red's good. Trust me, man. Mono red's yeah. great. That's usually my deck. choice. It's a good deck.
0: Good stuff. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. So, thank you so much for the kind of the deep dive on modern, gentlemen. This was awesome. Um, and yeah. it, yeah, it's a it's a beautiful world to be uh to be checking out. So, we're definitely gonna have to get this crew together. Um, you know, after the the pro tour, yeah. to see kind of how we'll things recap. shake out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I would love that. But in any event, um, are there any other like kind of last thoughts before we uh before we wrap it up here? Because we um, this has gone long, but I didn't want to slow it down because it's been great stuff. Yeah.
2: So I'm uh, writing for magicjank.com now, my uh, newest article, my first article ever uh, for Magic the Gathering came out last week. So be on the lookout. Uh, I'm going to try to have two articles a week. Uh, including the tournament report from the tournament that just happened which will give you more insight into potential the future tournaments and we're also going to be doing things like uh, telling you what to play for the weekend you know what where the meta game is essentially looking like including statistics such as win rates Mm. and essentially like matchups things like that while providing deck lists as well so uh, definitely be on the lookout for these articles including even some random thoughts on magic the gathering sometimes i have like a thought in my head and i'm like hey that should (laughs) i should probably write that into an article and i think you know that you know, Magic Jank luckily has given me the opportunity to essentially grab the canvas and kind of like do what I want with it. So, uh, you know, going to be some other team members as well uh, who are going to be, you know, uh, in the future partaking a lot of additional content uh, for Magic Jank. Just like Ham Hawk said, you know, we got a great team with a lot of just really, really amazing creators. And it, it's just so special to be a part of kind of like, you know, being here from day one and kind of seeing where things are going now and, you know, having the com- amazing community that we have is just really, really phenomenal. And I know that I'm having a blast and, you know, I'm having a good time kind of getting some more of this extra content, that opportunity to get me to write some of these articles. So uh, definitely be on the lookout for that. Uh, Like I said, twice a week. So if you're looking for that, follow us on Twitter.
0: Absolutely. At magic jank uh, on Twitter. Yeah.
2: And speaking of Twitter, right. Uh, Don't forget to hit us up for the uh, jank mail.
0: Yep. So yeah, if you if you folks have questions or feedback, things you want us to discuss on the podcast, please uh, either join our Discord. We have a link for that in the description of this episode, or tweet at us uh, with the with the hashtag #Jankmail, all one word, and that will help us. Um, you know. Spot those, spot those, and get them on the pod. So we would love to hear from you. So with that, I believe that actually is going to wrap us up. So let's go around the horn, let people know where they can find you. So, Damien, uh, yeah, great to get you on the on the podcast. Yeah, let the people know um... uh, what else, where they can find you on the internet, and what they can expect to find when they get there.
1: I'm yeah. not hard to find. I'm streaming six <laughs> days a week now, now that we got partner. We're streaming five days a week of Magic, Monday to Friday on Twitch, F 16 on Twitch. Saturdays, we're doing non-Magic games, so if you want to mm. ch- check out something different, there's a lot of great games coming out soon. Uh, there's a lot of old classics. We play tons of stuff on Saturday. On YouTube, I'm trying to build up that YouTube channel, so I'm going to be putting out content every single day now that I'm back from uh, vacation. So YouTube as well, F 16 and that's about it. I I used to post a little bit on TikTok and other stuff, but most of my stuff is on uh, Twitch and YouTube. So check it out.
0: Love it. And Pizza, what about yourself?
2: You can find me on twitch.tv slash HollywoodPizza. Uh, You can find me streaming Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, usually around 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can find me on Sundays, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I host three tournaments a month. All are free to play. It's on mtgmainly.com. Uh, you can find me also on YouTube as pizza box MTG. Uh, essentially I have all the tournament top eights, and I have tons of content as well. Uh, we usually try to pump out videos like every day or every other day. And, uh, recently we've been doing some gameplay on the Explorer anthology. So definitely check that out. Uh, there's going to be links for that and all the links for all of our content as well down below. Um, yeah, Hammer, what about you? Where can we yeah. find you at,
0: HamHawks? So I, I go by HamHawks42 on all the various and sundry places, primarily Twitch and YouTube as well, because uh, those platforms are just freaking sweet. So I have a lot of thoughts about Magic the Gathering, and I share them on those incessantly. So, yeah, uh, hopefully I'll, I'll see you out there. Um, if you enjoyed this, please like and subscribe. Tell a friend. It means the world. We really appreciate it. So with that, dear viewer, dear listener, thank you so much for tuning in. We do appreciate it. And we'll be sure to catch you on the next one.